EJ Scott is an interesting man. He's a legally blind marathon runner, an actor, he has his own podcast, and his long-term partner is actress Deborah Ann Wall, one of the stars of the hit Netflix show Daredevil. I recently caught up with EJ to talk about all of these things, but first I asked EJ to tell me about his sight loss and how it's affected him over time. My eye condition is an eye disease called choroideremia. Uh, It's a genetic degenerative disease that attacks peripherally and slowly erodes it over time to like a tunnel vision until total blindness. And uh, I was diagnosed in 2003 at age 27. And since then, I have lost most of it. And uh, so I'm legally blind now. Uh, So I'm in that tunnel vision area. Um, So I I have maybe five or seven percent of my sight centrally. But peripherally, I I don't see much of anything. So I walk with a a cane. uh, So... It, it cuts down on the uh, bumping into stuff factor. You must have had to uh, adapt quite a lot over the years when your your vision was deteriorating. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I started walking with that cane about six or seven years ago. So that that took some getting used to. I stopped driving about maybe the same year or a year before that, something like that. Um, so that took some getting used to. I mean, I moved to Los Angeles in 2003 to be an actor and since my vision's been getting worse that that was more challenging and uh i knew i needed to stop driving so i moved to chicago for a few years and did public transportation you know like i was really like trying to figure out all right well what's my life gonna be like now you know and so i'm, I'm still adapting i'm still adapting i still have some left and i can still be somewhat independent which is nice uh you know, I don't have to, I could still be on my own and uh, do things for myself uh, without any added help. But, uh, you know, one of these days I, I may need the extra help or extra, uh, I don't know, training to to be independent as a fully blind person. I don't know. Choroideremia is a hereditary condition, isn't it? And it's, uh, it affects other members of your family. Yeah, my... In 2003, my brother got diagnosed first, and then we all got tested. Once he got tested, we all got tested. And, you know, my grandfather was blind, but nobody really talked about it. Or And he also, since, since I found out about my own blindness, I learned that my grandfather thought he had another type of blindness, which may or may not be passed along to future generations so that it wasn't talked about very much and that in that sort of generation of you know well well you know we'll we'll talk about it when we have to talk about it no Mm, need to bring it up now you know so there was a there was a lot of that that was uh you know being um practiced in my family a lot of not talking about it so once now in 2003 we all got diagnosed my sister mother and aunt uh, we're all tested as carriers. My grandfather had passed away many years ago when I was 15, uh, so he wasn't around to talk to about it. And then me, me and my brother have choroideremia, and uh, he doesn't really drive anymore. He's about 10 years younger than me. My sister had two boys since, and they both have it. 
How has that had an impact on the family? Is it something that you you talk about now a lot? Is it something that you share with each other? We it's much much more talked about now. Um, there's still some secrecy in the family because the boys don't know they have it, and they don't know. To my knowledge, they don't know about me or their uncle, my brother. You know, it's my sister. I think in her mind thinks that they're kids, and they they shouldn't have to know about that right now. Mm. And I think she's also hoping for a cure in in a couple of years, so that when they do find out, it's it's less of a blow, I guess. But um, it would it'd be nicer if everybody could just be open about it for me, mm. um, uh, instead of feeling like I'm keeping something from my nephews. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so. You know, I encourage people to talk about it openly. When I found out about croideremia when I was 27, I was really angry that I felt like I had been lied to or I had some, you know, people were hiding things from me. And I thought that was unfair. And, you know, I went through a bunch of phases. It'd be nice if they don't had, go through that period that I went through. But um, I don't know. I don't know how that'll turn out once they do find out i don't know what that'll be like yeah, that that is one thing that you you do you do talk about the condition and you've raised a lot of awareness about uh, uh you've done that through running marathons mostly yeah and obviously talking <clears throat> uh, to people like me and you know sharing your story yeah i'm well i'm lucky that people like you are are interested in my story so yeah i think because of what i felt like uh uh, such an intense secrecy in my family about it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the opposite of like, I'm trying to tell everybody about it. And, um, I'd never heard of croideremia before I was told I have it, you know, and that's, that's like a really bizarre place to be in of like, you have this. And I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Um, and I was 27 at the time. So it's not like I was a little kid that didn't, that didn't know what that was. Um, so I yeah so I just try to get the word out as much as possible, and try to raise awareness, uh, well raise money for research and things like that. Do you do that because of your own experience? Because perhaps you never had someone talking about it, so you want other people with a condition to know that it's okay, it's fine to talk about it, and um, there are other people with the condition. Yeah, exactly. And since I got diagnosed. You know, it's not just my family. I found out that this is like an epidemic of silence among lots of families that don't talk about it. Once I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, that's it didn't necessarily make me feel better that my family was being so secretive about it. It's it's scary that people feel embarrassed or ashamed or or their instinct is to repress it or ignore it. You know, Uh, that is not a solution. I suppose for parents who may carry the gene, they must have a lot of emotions around that. They must perhaps feel guilt or shame about that in some kind of way. Yeah, I know my mom. My mom does. You know, like the carriers. I think my. I'm sure my sister does. Uh, you know, because they don't necessarily go blind from it. The carriers. Uh, my mom has some symptoms of croideremia, but she'll she'll never go blind from it. But she has trouble seeing. In the dark, which is one of the side effects of croideremia. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot going on there emotionally and otherwise uh, for the carriers. But nonetheless, it's I, I, I always look at it like 
well, it's my, you know, it's my disease, you mm. know, it's, I suffer from it, I should know about it, you know, I, uh, I have that right, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've mentioned you are a marathon runner. I, I have no idea how you do that. I can't <laughs> comprehend running a marathon myself. But you, you've well, run. Me too. <laughs> how many have you run now? I am up to 14 full marathons and four half marathons uh, since 2010. And then before that, and I was in, in the same place you are, I, I thought, I didn't understand running 26.2 miles or 42 kilometers. I was like, why? What's the point? You know, and I, I was never a big athlete or even exercised that much. Or I wasn't very healthy, really. I still struggle with, with health and, and stuff like that. But um, once you talk yourself into something <laughs> hard enough, you, you, could, you could do a lot of things once you, uh, once you convince yourself you could do it. And I knew that if I wanted to run a marathon, and I had in 2009, I lost 70 pounds, and I wanted to keep that weight off. And one of those ways I thought was, well, maybe I'll run a marathon or train for a marathon and maybe I could raise money and awareness doing that. But I, I also knew that one of the side effects of what I have is, is light sensitivity. So sunlight is not only uh, uncomfortable on my eyes, it's also harmful for my eyes. It'll, from what I've been told, it'll progress my disease faster. So when you're running, you're outside and most of the time it's it's a nice day, you know, I, I, I knew I had to be protected, so I'd probably have to be blindfolded. That was even scarier, the thought of like, man, I have to run and I have to be blindfolded for 26.2 miles. And, uh, you know, that was that took a lot of convincing on my own part to, yeah. to get me to do that. But I did it and I trained for it. I just, you know, it's one of those things, it's like, I'm never going to do something like that. That's crazy. <laughs> why would, why would, why do even people do this cited? Um, I, I thought it was good for the cause. And for myself, I was like, well, I'll do something that I never thought I'd do. And, um, and I did, I, I trained for nine months and ran my first, I ran two half marathons as, as a training up to the full marathon. There was all, all three of those were done in Chicago. And, uh, I ran my first full marathon, all th and all three of those were blindfolded, too. And I did it. I did it, and I was able to raise some money and awareness from it. And then from there, I thought, well, if I run 12 marathons in 2012, I can raise 12 times the money, 12 times the awareness. That, that was my thinking process. So I did that. I ran 12 states, 12 months, one a month. And I did. I raised uh, about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the cause, and that was the most I'd ever I'd ever raised in in like a year. So it, it paid off, and now I'm now I'm running on seven continents this year. And uh, London is that one of the destinations you've got coming up as well? Oh yeah, I've I've been to London before, and I really liked London a lot. I really I really enjoy London, so I really wanted to run there this year that was uh that was important to me and um yeah so i'll be there in april uh, i think it'll go okay um i heard it was a mostly a flat run and uh i hope that's true <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i think the only thing i have to worry about is weather right you guys get a lot of rain yeah 
that could be a good thing during the race. You don't want it too sunny. There's, there's been a couple of years recently where it's been quite sunny. Yeah, is it too hot? Yeah, it too hot? there's actually been uh, a few people that have um, passed away, actually. Oh, no. Because that's it's no good. been unexpectedly hot. Yeah, that's no good. You no. can't do that. You can't pass away while you're running. <laughs> and I saw on Twitter that you were looking for a guide for London. Are you still looking for someone? I am. I am, actually, I think. And I have – what helps for me is to have two guides, one person to stay with me while we run and another person to kind of be a floater, meaning they can run in front of me and ask people to move to the side so I can run straight instead of being zigzagged mm -hmm. because that's that's a few things. That's, a, that's more dangerous. It's more exhausting. It's more anxiety. It's more, you know, it's, it's harder and it'll add time to my run. Not that I'm that worried about time, but I do want to finish. I've run now with two guides. And I've run with three guides before, and that was great. And I've done most of them with one guide. And with the bigger runs, like a, like a London or a Tokyo or a Chicago, you it's best to have two. It's so much better. I can't even I can't even tell you how much better it is. But um, yeah, so I'm looking for a second guide. Basically, I'm looking for that second person, maybe somebody that's already registered because it's a sold out event. But um, yeah, hopefully somebody that's already registered to run would. I'm, I'm so I'm looking. I'm looking. If any of your listeners are registered and wouldn't mind helping me out, you can contact me on Twitter or Facebook or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure that we'll be able to help you out there, actually, EJ, because um, a lot of people involved with us will, will be running for charity or for yeah. themselves. So, yeah, we'll definitely try and help uh, with the, your guide for London, definitely. Now, oh, that'd be great. Thank you very much. Now, you're also a podcaster. I am. So how did you uh, get involved in that? Well, I love podcasts. I listen to a lot of them for a while and I was like oh and you know and I've been on some I've done podcasts and I started asking around like when in person like how do you do this like what's involved and um this one guy here in Los Angeles who runs a podcast he's not on air he kind of helps technically with the podcast he showed me what he does and I basically copied him I just bought all the same equipment he had he gave me a couple of tutorials and uh, so, yeah, so now I have my own podcast and it's fun. I really enjoy it. I love talking to the people I've been talking to. I'm very appreciative that people have been so open and honest on my podcast. Some of the stuff and stories people tell me and talk about them, I'm, I'm like blown away that they were ta you know, talking to me about that stuff. But yeah, um, yeah so this this year, I'm, I'm also doing a podcast about all my marathons. So I have an Antarctica podcast up right now where I, you'll hear like video journals of me talking about my feelings about stuff. And I also talk to my guide and uh, other runners that ran it and uh, the guy that put on the events. So, you, you know, if anybody out there is a runner, you might really enjoy listening to it if you're curious about antarctica a lot of runners are very curious if they haven't run antarctica they're like that's like the holy grail of yeah. of uh, <laughs> marathons is running in antarctica because it's so difficult to get to and i talked to other people too i talked to like actors and writers directors and all sorts of all sorts of people 
You do indeed, and that kind of brings me on to uh, Daredevil. Yeah. Your partner is Deborah Ann Wall, Karen Page, in the show. Yes, sir. She is basically a famous actress. <laughs> basically. <laughs> and uh, I saw the first season like three or four times, and uh, I'm so proud of her, and I think she does such a great job on the show. It's a lot of fun. I'm such a comic book nerd from the age of like 12 or 13 that when she got this part, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I think uh, I think Deborah does a great job. I think she's a great actress, and the rest of the cast are great as well. Charlie Cox mm. is oh, fantastic. Yeah. I think he's also fantastic as portraying a blind person, actually. Mm, yeah, yeah, and he takes it really seriously. You know, Charlie's such a great guy. Uh, on top of being a great actor, I've talked to him about this on my own podcast. Yeah, he's been kind enough to do my podcast twice. I've talked to him about it, and. You know, he, he takes it really seriously, and it's it's a weird dynamic because he's a blind person that has heightened abilities, so, you know, he has uh, stuff going for him that most blind people don't have going for them, but, um, you know, it's still a fantasy, but there is stuff that he wants to uh, make real, you know, he wants to ground the character into reality, he wants to be, you know, fair to the visually impaired and he doesn't want to offend anybody or anything, you know. Yeah. Um, so he takes it real seriously. He's such a good guy. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm glad he's doing the part. Uh, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have cast it any other way. Is it something that you and Deborah talk about in that sense? Is, is there kind of any information that she would perhaps pass on in any way to Charlie? I know he's done a lot of personal research, but I guess that she has an idea of what a person might be going through in, in certain scenes. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the full extent of, of you know, what their process is together. But I, she has mentioned because she's been with me now for eight years. Uh, when I started using the cane, we were already dating, and uh, when I stopped driving, we were already dating. You know, so um, she's been seeing my process of going through things, and I, I, it might be a little different for Karen's relationship with Matt as opposed to Deborah's relationship with me in terms of I still have some sight left and he is supposed to not have any, not even, you know, she doesn't know about his abilities and uh, all that stuff. So they have to, she has to treat him like a fully regular blind person. And that's a little different than me because she can, you know, I still, I'm still able to do stuff, but um, I know they've talked about it. So if anyone would like to learn more about you, what you're doing this year, or your podcast, how can they? Well, ejscott.com is my website, and uh, you can find all my podcasts on there. And like I said, they're free. They're all free. They're on iTunes, so you can download them to your devices and listen to them. There's a lot of good ones. If you're a Daredevil fan, there, I, I was lucky enough to get most of the cast and creative team of Daredevil one by one on the on my podcast and talk with them. It's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm hoping to get more more people. She was also on a show called True Blood and if any True Blood fans are out there, I talked to a lot of True Blood people over the last few years and just other people too. I was I got Stephen Yun from uh, Walking Dead and Tony Hale from Veep and a couple people from Veep actually. Um, Matt Walsh from Veep so, like, a lot of great people, great actors, some some interesting stuff on there, I think. And yeah. I'm running this year, if I can mention, I'm always running for charity. 
I usually run for the Croideremia Research Foundation uh, here in America, and I'm still running for them, but I've also decided to add a bunch of other charitable causes that are, are kind of personal to me as well, not just blind related, but um, I have cousins that are autistic, I, so I'm running for autism. I have uh, a friend whose daughter has a, a horrible disease called Rett syndrome. I'm running for, for that. Uh, I have another friend whose daughter has Crohn's disease, and I'm running for that. I, I'm running for a bunch of great causes. My goal is to raise half a million dollars this year. It's going very slowly, so I may not raise that much, but I'd like to raise as much as I, as I possibly can. And uh, you can go to uh, crowdrise.com slash seven on seven that's the number seven on the number seven and you can you can take a look at the list that i have about a dozen dozen charities there that uh also include cancer and mental illness and uh animals and children and parkinson's and alzheimer's and all sorts of stuff so really important causes that that all need your help and uh, i'm sure everybody can relate to at least one of these causes and uh, try to help me get to my goal of of half a million, or at least as, as much as we can. So that's that's why I'm that's why I'm, that's another reason I'm running. EJ, uh, I wish you the very best of luck with all your goals this year, and thank you so much for talking to me today. Hey man, I, I greatly appreciate talking with you, and uh, thanks for taking an interest in my story, and thanks to your listeners for listening to me uh, talk about it. I really appreciate it.